Hello, everyone. This is your host, Chief Warrant Officer 3 Sewell with the Warrant Officer Recruiting Company. And today we will be exploring the Warrant Officer MOS 311 Alpha CID Special Agent. Our special guest today is Chief Warrant Officer 5 Fitz, the Command Warrant Officer for the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command. Chief Fitz will be take, talking to us about what it means and takes to become a CID Special Agent Warrant Officer in today's Army. Chief Fitz, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to hear your input and all the different ways that CID Warrant Officers contribute to the mission. First of all, can you please tell us a little about yourself and your military career? Well, Ms. Sola, first off, thank you for having thank me. It's an honor and a privilege honor to uh, represent our branch, our branch and hopefully drum up a little business uh, for us through the assessments process. So uh, thank you for, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. So me, I've been around a little while. Uh, I joined the Army and attended basic training in July of 1983. Uh, as a military policeman, enlisted soldier, uh, served a couple years on active duty, and then transitioned to a uh, reserve component uh, for about five and a half years, and then came back on active duty uh, in January of 1993. Again, as a military policeman, and um, pretty much right away was presented the opportunity to uh, start working with CID, which I did and have been uh, with CID since then, uh, since about April or May of 1993. Um, it, it's been an interesting career. I tell you, I really enjoy the Army. Uh, the Army's provided a lot for me and my family. Um, opportunities to, to um, you know, travel and see things and go places. Um, obviously, the opportunity to serve our nation um, and, and opportunities for education and training that I probably would never have had uh, had I not joined the Army. So it's been really good. I uh, can't complain, really have nothing to complain about. I have no regrets other than Maybe I should have stayed on active duty instead of having a break for a couple of years. But uh, other than that, uh, it's, it's been really good. Thank you for that. Can you tell us a little about what your job as a CID Command Chief Warrant Officer and how you fit into the proponent and the warrant officer recruiting picture? So is, as the command chief warrant officer, I am the principal advisor to our commanding general for all things warrant officer related. Um, and I serve as one of his senior advisors for all criminal investigative matters as well. Um, so there's a, there's a dual role here for me as the command chief. Uh, I continue to be able to participate in the in the technical piece of uh, being a warrant officer in my career field as a CID agent. Uh, but I also am directly involved in uh, the proponent piece and the, uh, and the recruiting or the warrant officer assessment piece as well. Um, unlike some of the other branches within the military police regiment, uh, the military police branch, 
uh, our proponent out at uh, Fort Leonard Wood at the Army Military Police School uh, is responsible for things like doctrine, organizational structure, um, and, and material solutions and things. But the personnel management piece really falls on me as the command chief warrant officer. So I'm directly involved in talent management, uh, developing a, a talent management process based on the Army talent uh, alignment uh, process and, and aim to, and I work with HRC on uh, almost a daily basis, our career uh, manager out there um, on the future of our, of our warrant officer force and, and individual warrant officers uh, as far as helping them with uh, professional development, development and career enhancement. So um, that part of it is a little different than maybe other branches uh, and then in the, re- the uh, recruiting and assessions piece, uh, as you know, we work uh, we work very closely. You and your counterparts in USAREC with um, the uh, requirements, prerequisites, and such um, when it comes to those that are applying to be a CID warrant officer. So there's a lot of things that I'm kind of responsible for as the command chief. Um, not just a pretty face in the parade to wave at folks as the float goes by. Uh, there's a lot of work involved. Okay, thank you for that background. So we've come up with a list of questions that potential candidates want to know when pursuing a career as a CID warrant officer. To start with, can you give us a brief answer on why did you become a warrant officer? Was there a certain event or individual that helped guide you towards this path or decision? So I, I decided to um, apply to be a warrant officer because I really enjoy the technical aspects of what I do. I, I enjoy being a CID agent and involved in criminal investigations. Um, Unlike our enlisted agents, um, they career track a little bit differently. Um, as they progress in grade, uh, they have a tendency to shift into more administrative functions uh, and will serve in, in leadership roles like a detachment sergeant, operations NCO at a battalion level. Um, within our battalions, we have first sergeants, so battalion first sergeants, and then on up to the the group or brigade level as as sergeants major and command sergeants major. Um, That that wasn't necessarily the path I wanted to take. Again, I really liked what I was doing. Um, I had had quite a few warrant officers within the unit that I was assigned at the time uh, and in my battalion that uh, would come around and encourage uh, those of us that were enlisted to, you know, consider becoming a warrant officer. And, uh, you know, one of them one day said, hey, I think you got what it takes, Fitz. Why don't you give it a shot? Uh, we'll support you through the process. So so I did. And, um, I, I, again, I really do not uh, regret that decision at all. Uh, I think it was one of the more intelligent decisions that I've made in my life. Um, and it has kept me engaged in the operational side of CID um, rather than having maybe shifted away into some administrative things. So 
um, I've really enjoyed being a warrant officer. I think that's a lot of individuals path when they choose to make this decision on switching as a warrant or staying as enlisted of the technical side versus the admin side. And those that really love what they're doing and want to stay on the technical side choose to go the warrant officer route because they have no desire to go and be a first sergeant or sergeant major. But if you have someone that comes to you and, you know, is talking about what a warrant officer does and why should you be a warrant officer or what's the big difference, what would you tell someone that is interested in it, but doesn't know if they want to pursue the career as a CID agent or not. So why should someone pursue a career as a CID agent, as a warrant officer versus enlisted? So let's just start with, with, um, and maybe you'll get to this later and I apologize if I'm jumping ahead, but um, within CID, within the military police branch, um, we only have one feeder MOS to warrant officer, and that's 31 Delta, which is our um, enlisted CID agent. So that, as, again, as you are familiar, um, that is our primary target uh, audience when it comes to recruiting or assessing warrant officers is from within our, our pool of enlisted agents. And our initial re- or our, our minimum requirement is two years time as an enlisted CID agent. So a lot of those that are applying um, already understand the career field. They have attained a certain level of technical expertise. Um, so they, they kind of have an idea of what they're getting into as a warrant officer. Um, now, we do on occasion have non-traditional programs where we'll, we'll allow um, non 31 deltas to apply to be a warrant officer, but that's, we do that occasionally to, um, in, in an attempt to kind of increase our, our, uh, manpower when we're, you know, in, in, um, in, in kind of low manning, uh, times, which we've done that in the past. And some of your audience probably will understand, uh, those, those, uh, instances when we've done that. But a, a, a CID warrant officer really um, is is supervising. So that enlisted agent who has spent several years working cases um, and gaining that technical expertise that's necessary, now they're stepping into a supervisory role and they're running a team. And depending on location, the team may be you know two or three enlisted agents and the one warrant, or it may be ten enlisted agents in the one warrant officer. Um, so there's definitely a requirement there for the expertise. So I just, I just want to be clear that um, our primary focus is on, you know, assessing from within. Uh, we do take from other services. We've looked at the Marine Corps and the Air Force both for potentially bringing over, but What's difficult is to make that transition into CID as a warrant officer without the technical um, skill set kind of, you know, developed or starting to develop, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense, sir. So as the CCWO for CID and also working with proponent and HRC and, you know, you wear multiple hats, if an applicant calls and asks, you know, where and what can they do to strengthen the packet 
what advice do you have for them if they're not at that point technically qualified or ready to drop an application? So I think um, I think really the main answer or the primary answer I give uh, our soldiers when they ask me this question is, um, you know, a lot of it, I think, is an individual decision. Do they feel like they're ready? Do they feel like they've they've attained a certain level of expertise? Certainly, I can evaluate that based on, you know, assignments that they've had, length of time in CID, types of investigations they've worked. Um, but really, a lot of it comes down to their comfort level, if you will, uh, with taking that next step. Uh, and it is a big step for, for a lot of us to, to move from enlisted and go through the warrant officer um, candidate school and all of that process um, and then move into a supervisory role where now you're in charge rather than uh, just just working uh, cases every day. So I think education, though, is important. I think we, uh, within CID, for our warrant officers, we have an internally uh, mandated requirement of 120 hours or bachelor's degree um, to be a CID warrant officer. Um, it's, it's waiverable. We'll, we'll look at those that don't have the full 120 hours, but I definitely encourage them to, um, to look at additional education, um, additional training. When it comes to specialty training, whether it be at the military police school um, or even outside agencies that provide like advanced level law enforcement or investigative training that will benefit them. Uh, really anything that they can do to um, increase their level of experience and their technical skill set. That's, that's really what I'm looking for. Okay. And you hit on some of the MOS, you know, specific prereqs of, you know, college credit hours or a bachelor's degree and those for you that are listening. And additionally, on our website, gowarrantnow.com, you can find the MOS prereqs for 311 Alpha on there that will lay out all of them specific to that MOS. And so you hit a little on, you know, training opportunities and how to strengthen, you know, individuals. Are there other training opportunities out there available to enlisted soldiers that help them align with their career progression to become a warrant officer that if they identify early on or through their career that this is something that they want to do that you recommend they do to help strengthen them and develop them so they are successful as a warrant? Yeah, so I think um, I think the technical stuff is great. And, and like I said uh, earlier, that's that's something that I'm definitely looking for are those enlisted soldiers that have been through some of our, our mid-level and advanced technical uh, training at our military police school or, or other places, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, uh, the FBI. We, we send some of our agents to the FBI uh, for forensic training, crime scene processing, evidence collection, evidence management, those kind of things. Um, but I think, I think one of the things really um, that I – I like to see and I encourage our enlisted soldiers is, you know, pay attention to your leadership skills, pay attention to where you are career progression wise as an enlisted soldier. Don't neglect that. Um, if you are a staff sergeant 
um, which I think it's staff sergeant, uh, you're eligible to go to um, SLC. Um, I, I would encourage them to go. Don't don't um, forego the opportunity to go to enlisted uh, PME uh, because you have a desire to someday be a warrant officer. Those leadership skills, um, soldier management, kind of administrative even skills that are taught in our uh, NCO courses are definitely uh, transferable to being a warrant officer and being in squad level team kind of uh, leadership opportunities. So I always encourage our enlisted soldiers, hey, until until you actually submit a warrant packet, you need to continue to pursue uh, what the Army expects you to pursue as an enlisted soldier and, and as an NCO. And that kind of feeds into our next question a little on how a soldier individual knows, you know, when they have that good balance of technical skills and capabilities and that leadership managerial experience. Because depending on where you are in your career, you can be very technical and experienced there but not have a lot of managerial leadership. But then as you progress, you kind of become a little more heavy in the leadership managerial. So what is a good time or how do you know when you have that good balance to make that transition? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one right there, to be honest with you. I mean, like most other, I think uh, most other warrant officer fields, um, the emphasis is, um, you know, with enlisted soldiers up until a certain period is on, um, you know, doing your job. So gaining some technical skill set. We, we actually will recruit enlisted soldiers. Uh, right now, it's, it's up to staff sergeant. Uh, I'm sorry, up to sergeant, uh, but not sergeant promotable. So because we, we're kind of heavy in, in uh, mid-level NCOs right now. So when you're looking at that, it, there's not many that possess a whole lot of leadership uh, experience or leadership skill. Um, and that's a challenge, right? If, if you're going to make that transition to now you're going to be a, a team chief or a team leader uh, and then continue to progress in, on the leadership side. And, and as you said, manager, managerial experiences, that's very difficult for some of our enlisted agents to, uh, to get um, any experience in, in those things. The technical part, not so much a big deal, but the leadership and managerial experiences are a little more difficult, uh, especially when we're assessing uh, probably primarily in the Sergeant E5, Staff Sergeant. That's our that's the majority of, uh, of those that we're bringing in to be warrant officers. So they don't really possess a whole lot of that. And, and that's where I go back to my previous comment about don't stop going to training. Don't stop the, the NCO uh, PME that's necessary to at least learn those, uh, those skill sets and, and, and to um, uh, gain some potential um, education in, in, in leadership and managerial experience over. So when an applicant or individual, you know, kind of identifies this is the path I want to go or I want to learn more about, you know, what a warrant officer does or, you know, duties, responsibilities, because to some depend on how much interaction you have, which CID is very different based off the, you know, you guys' organizational structure and everything. But how does one go about 
speaking to a warrant on, hey, I have this desire, this is something I'm interested in, and when do you start that conversation on this is a career path that I want to look into? So I, I look at this from the warrant officer side of things, right? It, it's, it's our responsibility to look for the next generation of warrant officer to, you know, you should always be looking for who your replacement's going to be or, or looking for talent uh, that you think, uh, you know, needs to move up or progress in their career. So when, when we have enlisted agents at the office level, I, I place the responsibility on those young warrant officers to, to look at the talent, you know, and ask the questions. Sometimes, our enlisted uh, our enlisted agents aren't necessarily um, looking in that direction. You know, they're just they're they're so busy, op tempo, uh, and and some of the the things that they're dealing with on a daily basis, and then family issues, and you know, all the other things that we deal with in our lives. Sometimes they're not asking the question. Um, and if the warrant officer, who is their team leader or team chief, is not counseling them as they should, they're not spending time with those enlisted soldiers to get to know who they are and understand what their goals and, and desires are for uh, their, their Army career and life in general, um, sometimes we miss out on opportunities. So, I, for like I said, I put a lot of emphasis on the warrant officer involvement there. The enlisted agent, you know, I recommend that they start asking questions and looking at the potential to become a warrant officer basically the first day after after they get to their you know first unit of assignment uh start exploring it ask the questions what do you do how do you do this you know what do i need to do to get to where you are um so i i wouldn't wait i would recommend they start asking questions right away okay so so how does an applicant show that they're competent and technically qualified? Because we can look at NCOERs or, you know, we know based off from working with them, but how do you then translate that to an NCOER? Are there key phrases and words that should be in an NCOER to show that they meet those competencies and technical qualifications? Yeah, I think, again, I think this is a tough one, right? I mean, um, you know, I don't know how other branches are, but, you know, there are some of us that, you know, don't maybe, maybe don't do the best that we could with writing NCOERs. And um, as far as keywords and phrases, you know, for me, they're, it's, it's about performance. Um, there, I wouldn't say there's necessarily certain words that I'm looking for in an NCOER, what I'm looking for is the raider and senior raider to agree that the individual that's being raided is competent at what they do um, and does so in a professional manner and that their performance is, you know, of a high quality. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Um, so not necessarily anything specific. Um, and then just for me, on, on a side note, I, I like to call the Raiders and the senior Raiders on occasion. If I have questions about an NCOER uh, for an applicant that wants to be a warrant officer, I don't hesitate to pick up the phone and call them and say, okay, explain to me what you mean by these statements. Is this person really this good 
or are you overinflating their their NCOER, or maybe they're not uh, what we're looking for. So again, I don't think there's anything specific. It's just do your do your job, whatever your job is at the time, and do it to the best of your ability, and and I think you'll be okay. So you touched on performance a little and, you know, doing your job and doing it well. What makes an applicant well-rounded? And is there recommendation for those individuals that have identified that this is the path they want to go, that certain jobs, um, positions, or experience makes them a little more well-rounded and shows that they can operate in multiple domains or areas, which will make them a well-rounded individual and then a um, qualified candidate? Yeah, I think for us, um, you know, some of it is about location, uh, assignment location, right? Because you're, if you're assigned to a small installation, um, you're probably not going to get exposure to certain levels of um, investigation, certain types of crime um, where you would at larger installations, say at Fort Bragg or Fort Hood. I mean, there's going to be uh, the opportunity to to basically see it all at those types of uh, larger installations uh, where you may not get that experience at a smaller installation. So um, I, I think that not only that, you know, the, the more that you uh, are exposed to, definitely that will help you become uh, better rounded and prepared to be a warrant officer because you're going to have to provide you know, advice and guidance uh, to conduct those types of investigations. But I think they also should be looking at um, not trying to pigeonhole themselves into a, a particular type of uh, investigative process. Um, we, we deal with economic crimes, you know, fraud, in, you know, fraud crimes involving uh, uh, BAH or what have you, different pain allowance frauds, which can seem kind of boring for some people. They don't necessarily want to deal with it. But uh, if you if you're willing to take on those types of investigations and gain that experience, it's definitely going to better prepare you uh, for for uh, opportunities that might come in the future, especially if you're interested in being a warrant officer. So you discussed earlier, you know, a prereq of 120 college credit hours or a bachelor's and that it is waiverable. But does that, should the degree align with like CID, you know, um, criminal justice or is any degree acceptable? So any degree is acceptable, honestly. I think, um, I think those that come with non-law enforcement or criminal justice degrees often bring a different perspective uh, to the organization and, and sometimes a better perspective to the organization. And, and they bring a different capability as well. Um, you know, we've had some that have come to us with, um, you know, management type background or uh, something from the medical field or whatever. In those types of degree programs definitely are, are beneficial to the organization. I, I don't necessarily need everybody to have a degree in, in uh, some type of law enforcement or criminal justice. Um, that, that's definitely not what we're looking for. And, and that's not what we uh, mandate. We're, you know, a degree in, uh, in something 
um, that would be beneficial to the organization is really what we're looking for. Okay. What have you seen as some of the biggest adjustments for individuals as they switch from enlisted to warrant? And then with that, is there any suggestions on how to make that transition smoother? Anything that they can do after selection prior to going to like walks and WOBC to help with that transition? Yeah, so I think this again goes back to my comment uh, uh, earlier about leadership. And that's one of the biggest challenges I think that our enlisted soldiers, our enlisted agents have when they transition to warrant officer if they if they have little to no leadership experience. Um, like, you know, if you're a member of a team and now you're the team leader, uh, that's that's completely different. Now you're responsible for other other uh, soldiers. You have responsibility to counsel. You have responsibility to you know, take care of them, look out for their needs, their families. I mean, there's a whole uh, a whole bunch of things that come along with being a leader and, and responsible for a team that some of them just are not prepared for. So, uh, again, that's where I, I suggest anything that they can do to improve uh, or to garner some leadership experiences is really good. Look for opportunities within the unit that you're assigned to maybe be uh, an assistant to the team leader, if you will, to help run the team. Uh, we have opportunities with our drug suppression teams where we have younger soldiers there. Uh, we might be able to get one of our enlisted agents over to help and maybe even be a team leader uh, with a couple of those uh, younger uh, soldiers that are working there. So really, I think the main issue um, is with leadership. The technical piece, I think most of our, our enlisted agents, 31 Deltas that are making the transition are probably pretty good uh, on the technical piece. It's just learning and developing that skill set ex- from experience uh, on how to be a good leader. So with that, it kind of feeds into the next you know, question on assignments. As a newly appointed CID agent, where can they expect to go and kind of what should their career map look like as they progress in their career? So our new our new warrant officers primarily are going to um, locations where they will be a, a team leader or a team chief, as we call them. Um, and like I said, they're, depending on location, uh, there may be one or two uh, enlisted agents on their team, there may be 10 or 15. And we tried to make sure through our talent management process that if we're sending a newly appointed warrant officer to a, to a location where he or she is going to lead, you know, 10 agents or more, um, that we're sending someone there that has a little more experience and maybe uh, had, had attained a, a little bit higher grade as an NCO and maybe had some leadership experience as an NCO uh, agent before they made the transition. So that's where the majority of our new warrant officers are going to those types of first line supervisory positions. Um, career map, uh, their career progression. Well, it's it really, I, I like to tell our new warrants to set goals. Um, I can't tell you exactly what to do uh, without knowing what your goal is. Um, so I, I recommend that they set 
first a short-term goal, which is the five years, um, and then a long-term goal, which would be you know up to probably 10 years. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Um, things change, obviously, and it could change, but at least you have some goal, uh, desire to be in a certain position. Uh, you want to be a detachment commander. Uh, our, our W-4s are serving as detachment commanders. Um, do you want to be uh, at a certain location? Is there a particular um, specialty that you want to work, like digital forensics, or do you want to be a forensic science officer? We have opportunities for our warrant officers to work in the protection field where they're providing uh, close protection to the Department of Defense and Department of the Army's very senior, the most senior leadership at the Department of Defense and Department of the Army. So I kind of got to know what they want. And this is where, again, where I think that our warrant officers need to um, counsel and talk to each other and, and uh, you know, kind of look at the future a little bit and not just in the moment. Where do you want to be in a couple years from now? I can better help you kind of map out your career and give you some advice if I know what you want to do. Okay, so so career development opportunities, right? You hit on them a little on schools and everything, but as warrants, what do they have for opportunities outside of PME to continue to become systematic experts in that field? And then what are broadening training with industry opportunities for them to kind of set themselves apart from peers, right? So we have that list of broadening opportunities for the schoolhouse to give back and go back there and train your new W1s or go to walks and be attacked and then the schoolhouse down there at the warrant officer career college what kind of does that look like for those individuals to align with their career so um we don't necessarily have any training with industry opportunities uh for our our warrant officers um you you touched on the school that's a big one for us uh we look for the the best of the best, right? We want the best warrant officers that are available to go to uh, the military police school and train there. We, we train um, all of our enlisted agents, the brand new CID agents come through there. Uh, we train other military police soldiers there. Of course, our warrant officer PME um, is there as well. And those are those are things that we look for the the best to send to, and we consider those broadening opportunities for our, our PME courses. You know, they actually get credit for being a small group leader, uh, according to you know TRADOC uh, standards. So that that's definitely something um, for our junior and mid level warrant officers. There's really not a lot of other opportunities other than those. Uh, if you if you want to talk about broadening or career enhancing. Uh, it's more so when you get to the W4 and W5 levels where those opportunities uh, kind of, you know, become more available to you. Uh, we have uh, internal to CID, we have an inspector general and we have warrant officers that serve as uh, detailed uh, 
uh, IGs that are responsible for um, providing not just uh, oversight to investigations, but they do all the standard IG functions as well, assistance and uh, investigations and things there in the IG world. So that's a, that's a broadening opportunity, although it is within still within CID. Um, we have some other things that we're working on right now. We don't necessarily, uh, again, don't necessarily have a whole lot of broadening opportunities, but we do have specialty uh, opportunities within uh, CID for our warrant officers. And I mentioned a few of them uh, just a minute ago with our forensic science officer program. Uh, basically, that uh, those warrants that are accepted into our forensic science officer program uh, get to go to George Mason University for a year, and they graduate with a master's degree in forensic science, and then they serve at the battalion level and above uh, with the responsibility of providing an advanced technical um review and, and assistance to some of our more serious investigations. Uh, we have those that we send off to uh, extensive training when it comes to computers and digital uh, media, and they become experts in uh, digital forensics. Um, and then, of course, I mentioned uh, protection and then we have opportunities for our warrant officers to be polygraph examiners as well. They go uh, to specialized training, uh, graduate with degrees, and uh, can serve a large portion of their career uh, as a warrant officer conducting polygraph examinations. Uh, so we do have uh, several, um, again, not broadening, but more specialty type uh, opportunities within. Chief Fitz, do you have any last parting comments that you would like to state at this time? Yeah, so just to, to wrap things up, I'll just say, you know, if, if any of our enlisted agents that might be listening, if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to your, your chain of command. If, if you're not getting the, the response that you believe that uh, you deserve, don't hesitate to call me. Uh, send me an email. Talk to the folks uh, within the Special Agent Management Division at the headquarters, um, or you know, use your recruiting team. Uh, we have uh, had great success with our relationship with the recruiting teams, and uh, they're very knowledgeable of the process. So please reach out, ask questions. If you're not sure what you need to do, uh, we'll help you get there. Uh, just give us an idea that you're interested in becoming a warrant officer, and uh, we'll definitely do what we can to support you and to get you to that next step in your career. Thank you, sir, for joining us today and the insight into 311 Alpha and the CID agent. Hopefully, this has been beneficial to those that are listening as you start looking at a career change and joining the cohort, like Chief Fitz said, this is something that I have not regretted, and I don't think you will find a warrant out there that regrets making this career choice. The only thing they might say is they wish they had done it sooner, but it is a ride, and it is very informative and beneficial and rewarding. So for those of you that are interested, please feel free to reach out to your 
local warrant officer recruiting um, team. If you can't get a hold of them, talk to any one of us and we'd be more than willing to help and assist you in this process. Thank you.